It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. Uh, our phone number is 201-939-4513. Give us a call. We'll be here for the next hour or so to talk New York Giants football. You can always catch an archive of this show on the Giants mobile app, uh, Giants.com, and all your podcast platforms. And, of course, it means I also have a co-host today, as usual, and it's Super Bowl champion punter Jeff Beagles. Hello, Hello Paul. Jeff. Hello. The uh, Giants continued with their preparation for the Panthers today. And unfortunately, uh, still not a lot on the injury front to update other than Darius Slayton uh, was able to get out there to practice. He practiced some last week. I, I thought it was pretty good that he good chance he'd get to go. And then uh, he was scratched. But does look like uh, the arrows pointing in the right direction to at least get him back for this weekend's game against the Panthers. The rest of the walking wounded on the Giants injury list. Not so much. Uh, basically, Coach Joe Judge telling us at the media availability that they'll have to wait until later in the week to see how those guys progress. Uh, and, of course, you guys probably already know that the uh, IR list also now includes Andrew Thomas. Uh, now his other foot uh, is also hurt, and so uh, he'll be gone for at least three weeks. You know, C.J. Board has the fractured arm. He's also IR. That means at least three weeks for him, too. So... That's where it stands right now, Jeff. Uh, walking wounded is really an understatement. Well, I know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Dante Pettis got a lot, you know, was brought up last week, was a head scratcher for us, not so much for Dante, but just because of Darius. So, I mean, you know, those guys looking to be active this week um, coming up. And then, you know, we're still going to be, I think, down a guy, right? So are we looking, you know, for maybe another call up from the wide receiver area do you think Paul well they could I Sills, mean you maybe? know David Sills is still there on the practice squad and and working out as hard as he possibly can during yeah. the week yeah um, I will tell you this uh, I'm I understand you know Pettis has more NFL experience and he's got more speed and those are probably the reasons that they decided to activate him from the practice squad as one of the exceptions uh this past weekend but at the same time, being that Galladay's down, I thought maybe they might want to go for another big guy. Now, I know Colin Johnson is already on the 53, but I thought it was curious why they decided to go for Pettis instead of Sills. Well, I think it's because of last year. You know, I mean, right? No, well, again, Pettis has, has more uh, NFL yeah. snaps on I his resume. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it is, and... Um... Obviously, he's gotten more reps with Daniel Jones. and But you could tell in the game the other day that they were off. You know, I, I mean, whether it was Jones or with, whether it was him, there were some incomplete passes and some balls thrown, you know, not good. So we'll see what happens. I was mentioning yesterday, and as uh, John was asking us what we were talking about yesterday, I was talking about a little bit of, of how the, the practice squad guys, you know, when they come up to the regular roster on game day, you know, their job during the week, I had mentioned to this, Paul, and you can you can probably allude this a little bit more because you're around it. But, you know, those guys are not running the they're they're running the scout team for the other team. They're not running their own plays. And they have that one period at the end of practice that they get to, they run a lot of the plays that 
the the number one offense and number defense number mm-hmm. one defense were running just so they can get some reps at the plays that are happening so that they if they do get in a game and get called up, they at least have some recollection of what the game plan is for that week. You know what's interesting to me though, Jeff? I've seen Coach Judge in his second year now with the Giants give more reps to deeper depth chart guys with the first team than any other coach I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He is not afraid during practice to mix those those depth chart guys up because I, I think the reasoning is because, he, look, he's told us many times over, he wants everybody who's at the game on Sunday to be ready to play. Consequently, I think that's that's probably as logical a reason as any for him to try to – I don't, want, I don't know if force feed is the right phrase to use here, mm-hmm. but he does kind of force feed the depth chart guys into some practice reps more so than uh, than other coaches would. Well, I mean, good. They, they need to because that way they're a little bit more up to date with what's going on if they get called up, you know, and get into the game. And get, as we call it, get a jersey on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Not everybody gets one of those. Couple items from the media veils today. Uh, Daniel Jones did talk about how he was a Panthers fan growing up in the Carolinas. <laughs> Jake DeLome, the quarterback who uh, had a rough Super Bowl for Carolina when they made it under head coach John Fox, the former Giants defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. did say that uh, that was his favorite player uh, growing up. And uh, he's confident that friends and family will still be rooting for him sure. instead of Carolina uh, during Sunday's game. Did say he thinks he can do a better job of getting rid of the ball in the red zone and trying to find Kyle Rudolph. Uh, it has been a mystery to many of us why the Giants, who have a lot of red zone difficulties, have not found Kyle Rudolph more when we know throughout his career in Minnesota, he had been highly productive uh, near the goal line. Well, I, I haven't seen what he said about that, but it kind of tells me that um, if he wants to work on something, getting ball, getting rid of the ball quickly, you know, that's what you got to do as a quarterback down there because you know that the longer you hold the ball, the more those defenders are all over your receivers. And so getting – and I look at – you know, it's funny because I think you do the same thing. When we look at these other teams when they enter the red zone and even the short zone, red zone is how easy they make it look to score touchdowns, right? And so, and one, one thing that I have noticed is exactly what he said is the quarterback getting rid of the ball very quickly, very, very quickly. Um, now, to answer your question about Kyle Rudolph, I don't have the answer. Whether it's he's just not getting off the line of scrimmage and getting separation that he normally does, if he's still, you know, not 100%, I'm not saying that he is or he isn't. I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm searching for answers. But, you know, one of the reasons, and we've talked about this before, is that one of the one of the ideas of improving in the red zone was to get guys like Kyle Rudolph and Kenny Galladay, and now you have Colin Johnson at six foot seven. I mean, you have some really good, tall weapons, but they're just not utilizing them. You know, I, listen, they did throw a fade route to Colin Johnson. It was, an un, it was a pass interference, but it was an uncatchable ball. So I guess that's a start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't you, know. They, they, you know. They, 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 they could have called uh, illegal contact, too. Yeah. Because by the way, he was Rudolph more than five a, yards downfield, and they decided not to throw that penalty. Well, he caught a two-point conversion. So Yes, he did. did. <laughs> so Rudolph that's like did. like a touchdown. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jones said the team's emphasis today at practice was on fundamentals and up-tempo. It was physical, and he said guys responded well. Uh, We'll also give you a few notes from uh, Coach Joe Judge. Isaiah Wilson is working his way in. He's doing well, but had a a bit of a bug today. 
So they kept him home. Again, not COVID. Let me make that clear. Not COVID. But Isaiah Wilson was feeling under the weather. And so uh, he did not practice today. But again, coach saying he's coming along well. And I would think at some point in time, we're probably going to see him get a shot at some snaps. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I don't you don't know that when these guys come, you don't know what kind of shape they're in. And so it could that could be it could be conditioning. It could be mental reps. I mean, it could be not learning, picking up. I mean, there's all kinds of things that go on there. Right. I mean, so it is a matter of time. And you don't think for a minute that they don't want the guy to get in there. I mean, I, I think that they want to see him play. Um, he was a number one draft pick last year. So, I mean, um, and if they can give him, you know, the opportunity to do well and kind of have somebody, you know, helping him through some of his personal stuff, hopefully that's all aside, then you got a first-round draft pick there. I want to see him play, especially with the injuries that's happening. Uh, Joe Judge also telling us today that uh, Robinson and Smith have done very well in their meetings. They've done their mental work. And today – they were activated from the IR list to practice again. From the not, pup list or IR list? No, from the IR list. Both guys were on injured reserve since the beginning of the season. They are now eligible to practice starting gotcha. today. That's right. Okay. Now, here's the thing. They're active for practice. They are not active for games. They're not on the 53 as of yet. They are simply active for practice. Yeah. Now, Coach was asked, is there any way you could possibly expect them to have a chance to play on Sunday against Carolina? And he said, look, they've done all the mental work, but you can't possibly put a timetable on a rookie to expect him to play in four or five practices. That's just asking an awful lot to, you know, to prep them. Yeah. Realistically speaking, you know, they've got now 21 days for a practice activation before they they need to decide if they want to elevate the player to the 53. I don't know if the Giants will need all 21 days with either player. Certainly, Ellerson Smith is a very intriguing pass rush prospect, but I don't think there's any way you're going to see either guy this Sunday. Yeah, yeah, just because of what, what I mentioned earlier about their conditioning. Yeah, you can run on the treadmill and you can do all that stuff, but football conditioning is different. You know, that, that takes a little more and more endurance and – um, so yeah, that's hard. I mean, if you're, even if you're a veteran, I mean, I think that you probably have a little bit of a chance maybe to go out there, but it still would be tough. Well, judge mentioned that in referring to Kyle Rudolph, he said, look at all the time he missed during training camp, sure. but then because of his experience and his knowledge of the game and understanding a whole bunch of things, you could get him on the field with fewer practices. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that. just obvious. Yeah, absolutely. Joe judge also told us that, uh, with uh, Thomas on IR, they will go with a three-tackle uh, situation. Solder, Parrott, and Cunningham um, said probably all three will play. Did not say where they would line up or how the rotation might go, but he did say you could expect all three to play. Uh, certainly they're all going to practice this week and probably sort it out then. Uh, and then the other item that came out of today's pressers was really about Sam Darnold, and it's something that – You've seen in the highlights, you've seen in the stats, and Joe Judge confirmed it today. And I just got done talking with Leonard Williams, uh, who was Donald's former teammate with the Jets and uh, at USC. And it's quite clear. The Panthers have decided that they're going to let Sam Donald run. And he is running the ball at a ridiculous pace compared to his Jets career. They are not afraid to let him take off. And not that he's ever been known as a track star because he's not, 
but he is using his legs to his advantage. And as Joe Judge said today, you better be aware that he's very smart in picking his spots when pulling that ball down and taking off. And that is an added dimension that we never saw really when he was with gangrene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't put him as, you know, I, I think that Daniel Jones is more of a threat to run better than he does. Well, again, Donald is not necessarily a running style of athlete, but he's being very prudent and, and using his legs when necessary um, nothing spectacular, although, look, Jeff, I, I hate to tell you this, but he's actually running five touchdowns this year. Hmm. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. they're six games in, and he's rushed yeah. for five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's obviously in their uh, repertoire, especially down there in the red zone. So I would imagine that those are all from, you know, inside the 10-yard line or five-yard line. Um, haven't gone that far and looked at those yet, but I'm sure that that's definitely a threat for them. And, you know, that defense has got to be aware of it. But I think the more importantly thing would be we know how Sam Darnold can react to pressure. So He does tend to throw interceptions, doesn't he? <laughs> so I would work on that first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in any event, uh, that's where we stand today. That's pretty much a recap of uh, what has been going on at the facility today. So we will get to your phone calls at 201 201- 939-4513 here on uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Paul Dottino along with Jeff Fiegels. Let me see if I can just refresh my uh, my page. And uh, Charlie is on line one. Hi, Charlie. Charlie How are you? Charlie today. Hey, guys. Hey, Jeff. Hello. Hey, Hello. Greetings. Hey, it's a... <laughs> amazing and starting the show off that's uh, well you happen to and no kidding you are on line number one and usually one is the beginning <laughs> so that's why you know that's why you're first charlie, Trust you're me, charlie. One today you're i wasn't one bump, today. i wasn't bumping you ahead of anybody you're not getting special privileges out no. of me congratulations you're no you, you usually if I, even if i call first if lance is on uh, holding the board i'm i'm last or i'm dropped so Thank you guys for taking me first. <laughs> All right, Charlie. Now now that we've been nice to you, I expect you to be pretty nice to us. Okay, I got some things I got to say about the game. And I got to say it. You know, you were talking about Donald throwing interceptions. Well, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones or footballs. Um, Jones wasn't very good last week. Uh, Mr. Turnover returned. Uh, I know. Uh, and he admit that, yeah. by the way. He did say today he thought he could have made some better decisions, and he knew he did not play Jeez, particularly I well. So. But, but, but I guess but, the, I guess the one interception going back to last year and leading into this year doesn't make any sense, does it? Just, I mean, just remember on. one thing before you go any further, Charlie. Donald has <laughs> yeah. thrown seven picks this year, and yeah. Jones has four plus a Hail Mary, with, with, including right. a Hail Mary, so really three. Right. So, but so the thing is, let, let's just make sure we is, get the stats straight yeah. before we start you yeah. know, picking on a guy. But the thing is, Paul, who are we going to have in our secondary who can actually catch an interception? Well, That's a good point. Uh, yeah, Giants have like 10 <laughs> drops. I will agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I might consider putting Shepard in, in, in the secondary just to make sure that he can hold on to it. Somebody, my God. But anyway, I, one thing I, I couldn't understand is like why – did they give more snaps to Pettis than they did to Tony? Tony had a great game in that New Orleans game. He's in sync with Jones. He's Tony played with hurt. him. He's practiced with he him. He was hurt. Charlie, he got oh, he hurt. Was, he, he, oh, he was. I thought he played last. 
He did. Oh, he got, got hurt, hurt after the third catch and went out in the first quarter. Uh, right. They were going to get him right. the ball. That that game plan was Tony, Tony, it Tony, Tony. It was a big-time Tony day, and he got hurt. He, yeah. He, he yeah. aggravated Look. the ankle. Uh, okay, because I couldn't see the game because they didn't oh. show it up here again. And you may, so not get it. you may not get him this week because of that uh, I won't. I won't. I won't. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Like, uh, you know, so that's why. Okay, I yeah. understand that then. Yeah, he aggravated okay, the ankle injury, and and right now, Judge is very iffy about his availability. Right, and the thing is, is like, when you know, I, I, when is Judge going to finally look at his process and realize it's not working? Is it going to be one and nine? Is it going to be two and fifteen? When when is he going to finally look at it and go, you know, this isn't working? Maybe I should change my process. Um, and I think, Charlie, I think what's the, the alternative? One, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. What what no, exactly this, about his process do you believe needs to be changed? And what is your okay, advice to one, him? Number one, number one, let's end this stupid rotation of the offensive line. Put out your best five guys, even if they're not that good. But whoever your best five are, play them. Just Charlie. play them. They get Let an offensive get lineman them. injured every week. It, it's not it, like he's got an opportunity to put out the same five guys because every week why? somebody's what? getting knocked out. I don't think you okay, have well, five you just, guys that are – I think they're all the same. <laughs> you just told me, though, that they're going to play three tackles. Why? Play two the best two you have. You know, play Solder and play Pert. Okay, and, well, and that, that's, a fair, that's a fair comment, Charlie. I have to be honest. You're, you're being very fair with that remark about the three tackles because Judge did say he was going to look at all three. But prior to that, okay, if, if uh, Andrew Thomas was healthy, he was playing every snap at left tackle, and, you know, right. Solder was the basic uh, starter at right tackle. So they were trying to get some consistency. But they were tr- also, like, you know, they rotated the guards last week, and Wes Martin was horrible. He had a zero rating, for God's sake. I mean, you know, you got to know, you got to trust your offensive line coach who looks at these guys and say, you know, this guy's not very good, so I don't think we should be playing him. He's a backup. Let's play this guy. He's played the best. You know, let's play him. You know, that's what I have. A, that's why I'm talking about process. That's okay. a process. All right, so we're going we're gonna to put that to down. Him. Charlie says okay. no more rotating linemen, even though under these circumstances it can be very difficult to keep the same five on the field. We'll, we'll file that away as number one. <laughs> what was your second right. piece of advice? <laughs> second piece of advice is that I just don't understand why Graham can't change up his schemes to make it simpler for guys who will know where they are on the field at different plays. He's got to simplify things. He's got to understand, you know. Oh, the other thing is about a Judge's process is that maybe this is more Gettleman than Judge, but I think it's Judge. You do not build your defense from the back end. You build it from the front seven, especially the front four. You don't get rid of Tomlinson. You don't get rid of Hill. You, you, you just shot yourself in the foot. You can't, you know, that's why it doesn't work when you build the back end. That's why Bradbury is terrible. That's, I mean, the three 
edge rushes right, that now, we have now, got zero pressure. Now right? let's let, now zero let's pressure. let's hold let's hold on a second, Charlie. I'm I'm just be, giving you the other side of the coin in case you haven't recognized it. Okay, oh, the Patriots the, <laughs> the Patriots have had success, major success, by strengthening the back of the defense instead of the front of the defense, and the Giants did go to the trouble of re-signing Leonard Williams to big money. They did draft Dexter Lawrence in the first round. It's not like they ignored the front, okay? And, and you know, they also paid a lot of money to Adoree Jackson, who hasn't lived up to his contract, uh, who was supposed to be the cornerback to opposite Bradbury. So they did, as an organization, do things that made sense, but because it hasn't worked, you know, you, you want to complain about it. I get that. But you can't now, say that is, they didn't address the issues. Now they 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 decided to go back in first. That's where they wanted to put their money. And like I said before, you can have prime time back there. Yeah, but 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 the back end worked for the Patriots. No, the it, but but it, we've seen it actually work for some teams. Yeah, where well, in today's game. Brady. This is part of this morphing. But but this is part of the morphing process. No, no, hold on, hold on. Okay. Part of the morphing process of this game, and you know me, Charlie, I'm old school. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It's hard for me to start rounding off edges and get away from the old school ways. But even I understand that this is a passing league, okay? And one of the things that you have to do in this passing league is you have to make sure that you've got some cover guys. And it has been an acceptable philosophy with a few winning teams over the last couple of years now to build the back end and make that as strong as it can be, especially if you don't necessarily have the finances to add additional guys up front. We talked about this. This is not an unheard of philosophy. It has worked. No. Well, it's worked for, like, uh, a team that has won seven championships because they had a quarterback that, uh, you know, is... uh, But that doesn't necessarily have a direct and major impact on the ranking of the defense. Not directly. It does have a complimentary football. It does have some impact. I agree. But not a major impact. But the Patriots also did have a pass rush. I mean, you look at now, we're lucky. Not much. There were times the Patriots were contending for championships when they were in the bottom portion of the sack charts. Come on, Charlie. Got to do your research. Well, well Come on. sacks or pressures. It's not work. What I'm trying to say is when is Judge going to say my process is not working? And I think it's never because he is so stuck in his ways and what he thinks that he will not look at reality and All see right. what's going the, on. The only other That's- thing I want to add, and then, I'm, uh, and then I, want, I want Jeff to chime in here. The only other thing I want to add is you, you got on Coach Graham. You were saying you were going to pick on Judge's process, and then you went to yep. Coach Graham somehow in the middle. Yeah. You sandwiched him in there, and, yes. and you said he's not – or you want him to simplify the defense. My question to you is how do you know he hasn't simplified the defense? Can I, can I interrupt? What? Listen, he did sure, say good, that yeah. last – Last week in his press conference, they talked, okay, that always to the coordinators. He did say, you know, I, well, I got it. we're going to do something. We need to simplify. Okay? And I don't know if he did it or not because we're not in the game. And that's, right. that's what I was trying to ask him, yeah. Jeff. How do you yeah. know he didn't do it because he told us he was going to? Well, it just depends on how much he did simplify. It, and, it and may then, not have been enough. And then the other thing, too, the other thing yeah. that, that I, I want you to understand here, Charlie, seriously, this defense, it's 
guys who have been in this system for two years, to be frank with you, how much should you have to simplify it when these guys already know the book? Think well, about that. If it's, yeah, but what I'm saying is it's not working this year. And I and why is it not working? Ah, now, 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 now. You asked another question. I'm going to give you the answer. The execution has All been right. horrible. Look, I haven't yeah, heard a single... why is the execution horrible? Because yeah, that, is... that's on those guys. That's on each player to look himself in the mirror and not play clip. well. See, Charlie, let me, let me tell you, and, and, and Jeff, Jeff's clip. been around. I'm gonna, I want Jeff to answer this. Jeff, I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. How many times over the years <laughs> have you heard a defense play poorly? And what, what's the key word that you hear a lot of? Miscommunication. Communication wasn't good. Miscommunication. We didn't get the call or we didn't, we didn't communicate it right. Guy thought he was playing zone instead he was playing man. And you'll hear that for four, five, six weeks in a row, and that'll be the hot word in the locker room. Miscommunication. I have not heard that from these guys. What I keep hearing is that they're not executing right. They're, they're, they got to clean up their fundamentals, and they haven't used the proper techniques. That, that it's on them. They have made physical mistakes. I have not heard anything about miscommunication, Jeff. <sighs> well, I, I, there I, has I, been some. I oh. agree. I agree. Whether it's happening and you just don't hear about it, I would, I would say yes, it is happening. You're just not hearing a lot about it because that buzzword isn't thrown around as much as we're not executing. Um, bottom line, I think they go hand in hand together. If we're executing, we're communicating. So I think that when you talk about one, you talk about the other. And I, I feel There's like two sides of the same coin. I, and I feel like that, right. you know, sometimes you do have to simplify things, um, but that's always that's not always the answer. It might be something else. Quite frankly, when you look at the way that this defense is playing, um, they're just not they're not executing. When I say that word, they're not executing their fundamentals that they work on every day. By the way, you know, you're out there, Paul. For the first hour of practice, that's all it is. And that's on the players, Jeff. 100%. So, I mean, so you have to be able to, if you're in the National Football League and you're a linebacker or you're anybody that's in a tackling position, which all of them are in defense, you have to be able to execute your fundamentals to make tackles. When you're, and what happens when you're out of position? Now, when you're out of position, it's very difficult to execute the fundamentals to make plays because you're out of position. Now, where does that come from? That's maybe something else. That may be that, I, that, that, that it may be too complex what I'm trying to learn, or I'm not doing my preparation. I'm not talking about specifically anyone in this conversation. I'm giving you basically right. an outline right. of what could happen on a play. And so this right. all goes hand in hand. There's no easy way to fix either one. I mean, there's there's, you've got to fix something. You've got to start somewhere. Right. And what Charlie is saying is that simplifying the defense could be the trick to it, but why aren't we seeing the results of it? It's hard for us to know what call, play is called and things like that. Charlie, I'm going to give you and one more it, minute, then we got to move on. Okay, good. Yeah, all I want to say is, if why is it everybody is playing bad? You know, everybody, it's not just one or two players, you know, one or two players having a bad season. It's like everybody's playing bad. So to me, it's not just the players. Not everybody falls off the cliff at the same time. Not when you have the pedigree of some of these players, at least they're supposed to be, like Bradbury and Jackson and, you know, Logan and, and Peppers. And why are you putting Peppers on a slot receiver like Cup? Please tell me why. 
You put a cornerback on that guy. You don't put peppers. He can't cover anybody. He can't even cover a tight end, let alone, you know, Cup, who's one of the best slot guys in the league. I mean, those are the type of things. Decision-making of scheme by Graham is not working. It is – I don't understand how they use their players. They're not using their players properly. All right, Charlie. I, I, I give you as much time as I can. I got to go on okay, the line, too. Okay, thank you. No, thank you, Take Paul. Care. Thank you, Jeff. Bye You're now. welcome. You too. Have a good one. Uh, Peppers had trouble with, with Cup. Uh, that's an understatement uh, in, in this past game uh, on Sunday. And I don't know. Maybe they were hoping that he would get more physical with him. Maybe they thought that uh, some different looks might confuse Stafford and, and maybe he wouldn't necessarily be able to go there because he saw something different. I can't tell you why he was on him, but it's clear that, that Cup was able to win the matchup. Well, I, without going back and looking at a specific play, whether he lined up immediately and Peppers was on him, you know, a lot of times these offensive coordinators understand that that try to get in a mismatch, we sure. know about this, and that they, they moved the formation to – this where they get the matchup that's kind of look at mckissick what happened there with crowder mm-hmm. um same thing with last game would take with crowder um with uh, henderson same sure. thing no doubt so so it's it's not a matter of like okay you take that guy you take that guy it's the offense shifts and they move around to to mismatch the players and that's how it happens and that's good coaching and that's good game planning but by the way you got to know that when they do that the defense understands what they're trying to 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 do mm-hmm. so you have to combat it somehow and that's maybe have a safety over the top that helps when you have a guy that's an inferior coverage guy on a really really good uh, unfortunately you just can't stop the game and say hold on a sec hold on jabril get over here and adore you come and take him and then okay go ahead go ahead matt go ahead snap it here we go <laughs> you know I it happens you. so quickly we go to line two, uh, 201-939-4513. Doug in Rochester is next on the program. Hello. Hi, Doug. Hey, Paul. Hey, Hi. Jeff. You guys Hello. finally got off with Charlie. I was, I was wondering when he was going to be quiet. Um, no, I was going to be quiet when I got him. Yeah, I want to talk about some three and three, some three, and three teams right quick. Um Well, Pittsburgh, uh, Minnesota, and uh, Denver are three and three, but I want to – Talk about Cleveland, Kansas City, and, and um, Chicago, because um, Cleveland is um, in a bad situation right now with Baker Mayfield his left shoulder, lost two tackles, the defense is giving up bundles of points. In Kansas City, their star players are playing up to their potential. Patrick Mahomes throwing more interceptions than he did last year. Their defense gives a lot of points. The Chicago Bears defense is playing okay, but no offensive line and a rookie quarterback. Now, I say all this because the Giants are sitting at one and five. Okay. Um, I know you guys don't like to go back, but if you look at the Washington and Atlanta game, if, with penalties, dropped interceptions, dropped passes, the Giants could be three and three and be in the same situation two games behind in their conference. Actually, now, Doug, you're, make, you're making a lot of sense. So I'm going to let you continue to go there because I understand where you're coming from. You're absolutely 100% correct. Okay, I understand they're playing bad football, but like you say, Paul, in the beginning of the season, you you cannot have all these these penalties and drop passes and and, uh, interceptions. They go through the preseason, they go through the summer, I mean, they go through the summer, and there's one catch and one interception 
they're three and three, and they're two games behind Dallas. And they're looking at a Carolina team that beat up. They're looking at it, may get their first win at home, and then they got to move on to a Monday night. Kansas City, they might get most of their players back. You see, you see what I'm talking about? It could, it could look a lot different. Well, Doug, you know? earlier in the year, you know, those two games that you're talking about, specifically Atlanta and Washington, it was the failure to make the simple routine plays that a, a JV player could make in his sleep that cost the Giants and put them in a nasty predicament. And then That's right. And then and then once they dug their own hole for themselves, which they did, okay, they have to take blame for that. Then the caretaker came in and stole their shovel. And that's with all the injuries. The injuries stole their shovel. So now how are they supposed to dig out of this deep hole they already dug for themselves if guys are now dropping like flies? And they don't have the physical capabilities to dig out of it now, and that's why they're one in five. Yeah, but uh, like I said, you can't go. You can't go back in the game. You can't. How you can't go do, back. How, You're right. how are they gonna do it now? The next guy, these guys got to step up. Um, these receivers and stuff again, like um, John and the guys who said yesterday, they're they're not quite as good as the Cowboys and the Rams, but they're a decent football team, and you can't continue on making mistakes. And the quicksand of mediocrity, Dave. That's what it is, man. It's the quicksand of mediocrity. You've you've got you've got all these teams. That are that are sucking wind in the quicksand, and depending upon breaks that come and go, uh, they will either be up to their necks in it, or they're going to be only up to their knees in it, and that's what happens in the quicksand of mediocrity. And and any team that's caught in that quicksand, that then gets devastated by injuries, my goodness, they are going to sink really, really fast. Well, I want I want to ask Jeff about the defense. Um, um, the Reds, um, the right before the half, scoring touchdowns. Do you think it's lack of communication? Guys don't know where they're supposed to be at. I didn't say that. Last two minutes. No, I didn't say you see that, but I'm asking you: Is you think that because they, um, they're giving up big plays and it seems like guys and they're not communicating right or something? Somebody's not in the right spot. I, I think it has is. to do with a couple things. I have, I actually have to think that it does with. Guys just not making plays, okay, that impact the drive that they're about to go down, okay. I mean, just and what I mean by that is it, it doesn't have to be a turnover. I, I mean, yeah, I would love a turnover, but just just you know plays on first and second down that it, that makes them think about, you know, trying to go on this two minute drive. A second and thirteen or fifteen would be nice, okay. A deflected pass on second down and now you got second and long or third and long making those types of plays or even an interception. The other thing is is that I think that it's more of the the defense playing some of this soft soft shell coverage that they just give up so much ground and then if they can miss a tackle it turns into a big play for them the uh, the opposing team. That's what it is. And and you can't tell me that these guys don't have there you don't have enough good players to make a play out there. My god, look at the secondary. You got a lot of money back there. You got two young guys in the secondary that can play. I mean, and make some plays back there. So that's, that's what I think that's it is. What I, think. I think the players they playing up to the potential. That has a lot to do with it. Hundred percent. That's for sure, Doug. Because Bradbury, he does not look like the same player he was last year. I mean, and, and Dory Jackson is just—he's getting beat on a lot of a lot of throws too. So I don't know what they're going to what they're going to do to turn that around. What uh, Patrick Graham's going to do? Now, I don't know if he. Going to move some people around or not? I don't know why he's going to do it. It's very difficult, Doug, when you can't count on a minimum level of production 
from guys who have a track record and a strong resume. Let's just be let's just be frank about it. In any business, if you've got employees and you know what they can do, then you have to give reasonable expectations that they're going to do it. And when they don't, it just blows everything up. Yeah, because John Merritt said he wanted the Giants in the playoffs this year, and whew, they got to do a lot of work to get there because he's expecting them to be there. All right, Doug, we got to run. Thank, Thank you. Thank right, 201-939-4513. Scott is in New Mexico. You're next on BBKL. Hello. Hi, Scott. Oh, make make that Lee. I'm sorry. All Lee, right, Lee is in Atlanta. We got a okay. change up here. We're calling an audible. Going west coast to the east coast. Okay. Go ahead, Lee. Hey, guys. How are you? Hi. Good. I'm good. Um, I'm here in Atlanta. Uh, I don't get the games um, on TV much, but I always follow whether with you guys or on um, sports app. And it's been unfortunate these last couple of weeks. I just want to talk briefly about some of the personnel and the coaching. I like Joe Judge. I think he's smart and articulate. And everything he says makes sense. I hope we don't give up on him, even if this year turns out to be a bad one. I think he at least deserves at least one more year, at least one. This is the second year. Last year they finished strong. Maybe we can finish strong again. I think Daniel Jones is uh, a good quarterback. I think he could easily have the kind of year Josh Allen had last year and be a franchise quarterback for a while. But I want to talk about the next couple of games. I think the Panthers game is a must-win for this team on a few levels, including mathematically. But um, you look at the team that's reeling. They won their first three. Then they lost three in a row. Yes, sir. They're coming into our building. And the fact that Joe Judge and Matt Rule were both candidates for this, well, for the Giants job, and Joe got it, it would go a long way for him to win this game and make some kind of statement. And they very well could win this game. It's a very winnable game. And I'm going to do something. The last thing I'm going to say before I get off and let other people get on. I'm going to do something I think he should be doing, Joe Judge should be doing, in practice and meetings. He needs to go to these players, and he needs to tell them we are winning these next three games. We are winning these next three games. We can win these games, and we are going to win these games. Going to the bye week, four and five, and they can do it, guys. All right, that's all I got. Thank you. Sure. Yep. That would be the Panthers, the Chiefs, and the Raiders, just for mm-hmm. you folks who don't have a schedule. And that's two out of three home by. games, three out of four home games, including last week's. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you talk about opportunity. You like to play at home in front of your own fans, and that's the that's the thing that's you know that's important. Um, you get the home crowd behind you, and that's a, a a good opportunity moving forward. You got two of the next three games at home. I don't care what team you are. It's tough to play the Chiefs on the road, no matter how good they are or you are. It's there. That's a tough place to win, but it can be done. It can be done. So it well, just has not to the be the same this year either. I think Spags is very disappointed in some of his defensive players. Efforts. Absolutely, and and same thing. Like, listen, you talk about the Carolina game when you start looking at this matchups and just kind of the way that this team plays. Um, you know, there's they're out they're without their number one running back too, right? So mm-hmm. let's just compare those two and. Um, they've got a good receiver and more. I mean, so they've, they've got some guys that can play too. But, you know, this is a team that's lost three in a row. Um, and so they're reeling too. They they want to get a win just as bad. And you got this team at home, and this is where you got to make a stand. And you can't win three before you win one. So 
take a chance and go out there and prepare what you need to do. And, and you, uh, it's, you know, we talk about this, Paul, till we're blue in the face. The bottom line, in my opinion, is that I see these players on paper. I see who they are. I've seen them all play well. They have the capability of doing it. And it's just going to show up sooner or later. And, boy, would the week seven be the time for it to do it. <laughs> I was <laughs> just going to ask you for sooner, Jeff. If well, I could put in my order for sooner, I'd like to do that, please. Go ahead. Thank you. Go ahead. It's just Wednesday. You could do it. All right. And by the way, folks, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at a greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your local health care provider. Public service message. From BBKL. We go to the next phone call, and line one has Michael from Virginia. You're next on the program. Hello. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Good afternoon. You too, sir. Um, uh, it was one thing I agreed with, honestly, with Charlie with this one, was uh, the front end does protect the back end. I mean, yes, it is a passing league, but without a pass rush, you know, you, the, the back end is covering so long. And now they, they start. They start to um. Yeah, Michael, you know, do their that's scramble true. Drills and improv. You're right. That's true. That's the old football 101 mantra. You always need pressure to be able to uh, to affect the quarterback, and and that breaks up a lot of things. The only thing, and and, and I'm with you. Trust me, because I'm I'm as old school as they come. Some people mm-hmm. just think I'm flat out old. But <laughs> in any event, <laughs> I do understand how enhancing the back end has been used over the last few years in this nouveau right. kind of NFL. It's not it's not impossible. It is not an automatic death blow. It is something that some organizations have been able to effectively employ and it's basically an alternate method. You know how sometimes when you get sick, the doctor says, "Well, these are the tried and true traditional medicines and then these are the yeah. alternative medicines." Well, building the back end is the alternative that's one of the alternate medicines. I'm not saying that okay. I necessarily like it, but it is it is something that's been employed by some teams before. And but we it's have vice to versa. That. Right. It's vice versa here, guys. Listen, if you can put pressure on the quarterback, it takes a lot of pressure off the back end, right? If you mm-hmm. can't get pressure yeah. on the quarterback, which we know the Giants don't, if you have a good secondary to hold those coverages a little bit more, it gives your guys time on the front end to make plays. So it goes hand in hand a little bit. You know right. what I mean? Like you do me, you, I, I scratch you. your back. You scratch mine a little bit here. Now, now I did want to touch on with the, the next man up mentality. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yes. You're supposed to be like it. it yes, it is true. But when you're going down to your, your special teamers and you're pulling people from practice squad, now you have to sign people off the street. Mm-hmm. You're past next man up mentality. Yes, sir. So let's just have realistic expectations here. I mean, you know, uh, yes, they are professionals. Yes, you know, and they're on the depth chart. They may be, uh, you know, the fifth um, wide receiver, but they're a special teamer. So they're not really getting the reps that they need to have the consistency to be able to produce on the field. And if mm-hmm. they did, they would be one of the top three people out there playing. So, at the same time, you, I mean, we got to be real realistic with our expectations. We're just getting ravaged by injuries. And uh, at this point, it's like this has been happening for the past couple of years. Um, Bradbury, to me, honestly, he has been playing 
I'll, I'll say this. If those picks that he dropped, he made, a lot of people would be making a, a – a, they would change the way they feel about him because he's been breaking on passes. He may give up a splash here and there, but he also has had opportunities and seems like in every game to make a uh, to have an interception. Michael, this defense to this point right now today, this defense has had an opportunity at 10 different interceptions in the first six games that they did not execute on. How many points, how many drives do you think would have been stopped and kept off the board if they had even had caught seven of those ten? You know what right. I mean? I thought Bradbury yeah, – I, I thought he came that. back and played a decent game last week coming off of the Dallas game before. I mean, the Dallas game, he was just atrocious. He really was. But when you look at Bradbury yeah. last week, I thought that he was pretty solid. I mean, he was matched up against Woods all day. Um, he had – you know, let, let, he only had two catches – and then Bradbury had a couple mm-hmm. breakups, so that's kind of you know that's kind of what you want out of your it number one. It was more like him. I would agree yeah. with that, Jeff. But what I what I have seen is people take advantage. Bradbury does not have uh, the in and out speed. Bradbury has may have somewhat of long speed, somewhat like a Richard Sherman. He's not going to be able to contest can contest those those. Um, well, you know what else that, he's got? That really great. He's got very quick. Yeah, great instincts and great closing speed and anticipation. But, and unfortunately, this year, a, uh, too many times that hasn't. Well, that hasn't that hasn't helped him a lot. Too many times this year. Right. But appreciate y'all uh, taking my call again. Y'all You're welcome. Thank you, Michael. Have a good one. Please call again. I mean, I listen, the guy going... can get Go the ahead, guy Jeff. can get some interceptions. I mean, look at last year. Um, you know, around the football, but um, there's just sometimes like that again. It's it's just like any player, Paul, and I. I'd had I played enough games to know this that. You know, you have your you. Most of your games are good. Most of them are good. You know, but then you have the games that just kind of like, okay, you know, I was bad. I was bad, and unfortunately, you can't have a lot of those. And I look at Daniel Jones last week. He had a bad game. I mean, really bad, bad game. He'll tell you that. Um, but you know, when you look at look at him, that as far as you know, you talk about the sample size going back to last year. Haven't we always we've always been talking about how how is this team going to evaluate Daniel Jones at the end of the season? And that's still there. That that is still the process right now for Daniel Jones. He's still going to have to show this team that he can be. And and what makes uh, I'll tell you this: for all the teams that I was around at the quarterback position, and I and, and Eli was the most okay that he was the quarterback for the team that I played on the most. One, but the quality that he had is that. Not only did he prove that he was a good player, he also proved that he could put a game on his on his shoulders and go, but he also made people better around him. That's what I'm looking at for Daniel Jones. Still, I'm trying to find that little little element of him that how he can do put a game on his shoulders, make the other guys around him better. You know, those are all the things that the team is looking at too. Well, basically, the way I've always defined an elite quarterback, Jeff Mm-hmm. And this is my own unofficial definition. I want to know if that quarterback can literally pull a game out of his butt. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally win the game off his own arm. Will the game to victory when yeah. everything else is going wrong and right. his guys aren't getting it done. But he winds up doing something that just absolutely was amazing. He played above the X's and the O's and he got them to win. I yeah. remember that Super Bowl season in 11 when, what, do you have six come from behind game They were unbelievable. Drives. Every one of I them, mean, every week it was unbelievable. He, 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 you know, 
I know they don't count the playoffs and the MVP voting, but if you were to count the postseason, he was clearly the most valuable yeah. player in the NFL that year. Yeah, I, I feel like that that season was that was unbelievable. That he, what was he, did. he was elite. He was elite. I mean, every week when we're doing the post game, remember it was the fourth quarter. Here it comes, here it comes, here yep. comes Eli. Bam! Yep. Unreal, unbelievable. I mean, you're sitting there, your jaw dropped at, at, at those comeback wins. It was now, just I think like Jones has only two or three of those now mm-hmm. to this point in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. one of them was in Tampa when he first got in there. You know, a couple sure. of years back. Yep. Um, but we haven't seen enough of those, and of course, part of the problem is well, we have things around him. Well. And and again, can you raise yourself out of the quicksand of mediocrity? That's what makes guys Hall of Famers. No one's going to confuse Daniel Jones with a Hall of Famer. Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Okay? And, and Daniel listen, Jones is not. We're just asking Daniel Jones to be good. Yeah, and in fairness to Daniel, you know, um, in the offseason, the Giants, they built up their offense. Um, especially from the playmaking standpoints, and went out and got the guys that mm-hmm. they thought they could do it. And, you know, they're not there. Um, well, and, the bridge blew out. And really, I'll tell you what, what happened. The bridge I mean, blew last out. week, the first eight, ten minutes of that first quarter, you could tell how this game plan was going to go. Because, by the way, folks, there is not anybody in the National Football League that's going to be able to, to make Kadarius Tony down on the first time. He, he makes everybody miss. He's like a, like a Tyreek Hill. The guy is just everywhere. He's a yak king. I if he stays if he stays healthy in the next few years, he will be the number one yak guy in the National Football League. There's no question in my mind. Yeah. In fact, I'll tell you something. This is really I I, I wanted to bring this up the other day. I was talking to Golden Tate the other day, um, and I said, "Hey, what's your take on Kadarius?" And he was just like, "Dude, dude." He said, "Dude," like three times to me. And he was basically telling me how um, his acceleration speed is so good between when he makes a guy miss and then between A and B. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's un- unbelievable. And that's what he was telling me. He was like, listen, Jeff, this guy, if you get him in space and get the ball to him, he's going to make a first down every single time and something. He's going to be so much yak. It's going to mm-hmm. be it's so much fun to watch. He was impressed. Very impressed. So, yeah, All right. Well, we just got to get him healthy. You. That's all. That's we go right. to we go to line three. Scott from New Mexico is next to the program. There's Hello. Scott. There he is. Hi guys, how you doing today? Hi. Good. Um, Paul, I wanted to thank you uh, personally for alerting me to the situation with Tom and Judy Coughlin because we did contribute to the. Uh, oh, very nice. Very nice. And That's much appreciated, I'm sure, by all the folks involved. Well, it was even more appreciative uh, getting off subject. I know, Jeff, you said they might res- they might not respond. And actually, I got a personal email from, I hope I get it, her name right, Kelly Businovich, who's the communications manager. Mm-hmm. And then I got a, a letter from, I think, Tom Coughlin's daughter, who runs the organization. Mm-hmm. For the Kelly. Mm-hmm. Kelly. And mm-hmm. so my wife and I were very <laughs> touched by all of it. I just wanted to let everybody know. Thanks for sharing, Scott. Thing. So I just wanted to get that uh, off my chest, so to speak, to, to let everybody know that they do respond and that and people do. Uh, it is a nice thing to do. In, in any event, uh, in regards to the Giants, I have two major problems. I've been listening to the commentary for the last two weeks, and the one thing that I find somewhat disturbing is I don't think it's a problem of this year 
or last year, because if you go back five years, the Giants' record is 19-51, and 51, which is the worst in the NFL. Uh, they haven't fixed a lot of the issues. In fact, they have the worst winning percentage at home, which is crazy, mm-hmm. uh, worse than the Jets or, or Washington. Yeah, they're in the same company as some of the worst teams in the NFL, and this is a very prideful franchise. Mm-hmm. And yet they can't seem to rise above a certain level for whatever reason. And so... Uh, Part of the problem, you know, I know, Paul, you and I share the favorite head coach of both of us, which was Vince Lombardi. And if you look at some of the words, he says it's apropos to the Giants themselves. And I'm going to put some of the onus on Joe Judge. Uh, When it comes to teamwork, Vince Lombardi said that achievements of an organization are the results of the combined effort of each individual. And then, so far as commitment, winning is not a sometime thing; it's an all-time thing. Mm-hmm. And you don't do it right; uh, you don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Yep. And that is obviously missing from the Giants. So they may have a great series, and the very next play, they're not doing it. And I have to put some of this blame on Joe Judge because one of the comments I know you made on Monday was uh, when they left Daniel Jones in the game. Uh, I thought that was not the proper thing to do. I know you said it could go either way, but if you leave a quarterback in who's just had a concussion and you just want to see how the team's going to fight, if you don't know if your team's going or the will to win, who's willing to make a commitment, if you don't know that after six games, then you don't know your team at all because you should at that point know who's willing to fight and who isn't. And that sort of rubbed me very much the wrong way as a head coach stating that. That's more for a head coach to say when you're five and one as opposed to one and five. But I wanted to offer something that no one's offered yet. Is it possible, and I know, Jeff, you've played on teams, so, and, Paul, you've seen enough teams. Is it just possible that the team that they've assembled doesn't mesh? And what I mean by that is you, I'm sure, Jeff, you've been on teams with great players, but that's the hard and, part. That's the hard part right. of doing it. And yeah. if they don't mesh, if they don't work together, if the, if if Dexter Lawrence doesn't work effectively, say with uh, you know Austin Johnson or whoever else is next to him or Leonard Williams, then then you don't have a pass rush, so to speak. And I, I'm not blaming one player or another, but I'm just saying if the team's not meshing, if a Dory Jackson uh, in one game in Dallas is ten yards off from uh, C.D. Lamb, which happened on a play that Troy Aikman commented on. He said, why is Adoree Jackson 10 yards mm-hmm. behind Adoree Jackson? He said, that's an automatic first down. He was right. And I'm saying at this point, six games into the year, these are the things that already should have been corrected. And I'm going to say right off the top, I, I don't care who coaches the Giants. Paul, your mother-in-law could coach the Giants, and – Jeff, your wife could be the general manager. It makes no difference. It's inconsequential to me. What is important is obviously wins and losses. But the Giants have exemplified a certain kind of, I don't know what it is, a certain kind of behavior that doesn't mesh with winning football games. And the great coaches all seem to instill that in their team. And I'm not, I don't want to put this all on Joe Judge because I don't think that's fair. But I just wanted to get your comments uh, and the things that I'm relating back to you, because as a Giant fan for 60 years, 
I've seen a number of iterations of good teams and bad teams. Yeah. As Paul, you have as well. And Jeff, you've played, as I said, on teams that were good and bad. But the real key is if they're going to move forward, they have to mesh as a team. And they're not doing it. And that does fall at the, head, at the feet of the head coach because that's what you're paying him for. All right, Scott, and, we, we've got to get to Mark in Chicago before we close okay. the show. So I'm going Thank to let you, you go. I'll give you a quick comment. <laughs> Jeff, Scott. you can respond. And then we're going to go to Mark. Uh, okay. I will say this. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Okay, yep, thank, thank you. you. Uh, I, I appreciate the perspective. I would say this. Sometimes I think we all forget that Joe Judge is only a second-year head coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeff, to be frank with you, we were all very impressed from the first day he walked into the facility. But let's not forget, this guy has done nothing but win and win big as an assistant in Alabama and as an assistant in New England. How many losing seasons has he ever experienced? And we all say that experience is the best teacher and Joe Judge is a great teacher. Well, this is a guy who maybe he's actually got to go through some rough times and some rough losing to become the head coach that he could become one day. And if it means he's got to take his lumps through the first couple of years of his job, Maybe we just keep forgetting because we like him so much and we're so impressed with him and we love his pedigree. Maybe we're forgetting that he's got to learn on the job too. Yeah, well, I mean, that you know, it, in this league today, people are very impatient. And, um, you know, that's the, and, and, and the thing about it, Paul, is that you've seen other teams where coaches come in here and win in the first two or three years, you know. so It does happen, sure. That's why people, sure. their expectations are where they are. Um, I think a lot of times that, that what Scott was saying was is the fact that about meshing is that's one big part of the general manager's job is to try to figure out if these players can fit into systems and fit in with the characters of of uh, of the team and things like that. And it's not easy. Um, it's definitely not easy. So I know we have another call. Okay, Mark from Chicago, your final uh, final call on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. Hi, Mark. Hey, guys. A um, little bit of a mental health day here calling you guys. Uh, listening to the show yesterday, you know, there were a couple of guys that called on and they were season ticket holders and how they were distressed at what was going on. And I know I feel for them because my family had season tickets for 65 years. And I personally experienced the dark days of the 60s and 70s. And I almost feel like this is even worse, even though it's not as long because it's five years since we've had a winning record, at least in those years of the 60s and 70s there were some seven and sevens every now and then to keep you hopeful but i mean my god this is this is bad and you know jeff you you know you were talking about you know impatience you know five years is a long time to be patient so i feel for these guys and you know i i don't know what the answer is i know you're running short on time so go ahead jeff no, a win is the answer. <laughs> the win, yeah. a win is a quick answer, you know, because it really does cure a lot of different things. But, uh, you know, that's, that's as much as as easy as it's said. It's not easy done, and I think that they have a great opportunity. And, um, you know, we look at the schedule, and we hate to do it, but you know, when you look through the schedule at the beginning of the year, and then you look at it halfway through, or even a quarter of the way through the season, you know, teams change. So. You can be optimistic when you're moving through the schedule and because there's teams that, you know, maybe at the third quarter of this season that there's teams that you thought would be really, really good and tough to beat that they're not. So you just got to take each game one at a time and, and have the opportunity to go out there and play in front of your home fans and really kind of do a little 
about face and come back and play a good game where people can appreciate that you guys are still trying to win and going out there and doing what it takes and get a win at home. That will cure a lot of things, Mark. Trust me, it does, yeah, especially I, in the I locker room. I mean, yeah, I, I've seen – I've been a, you know, a fan for sure. 50 years now, so I, I get it. Um, I wanted to talk about both coordinators. I know you're running short on time, but let's talk about the defense. You know, I get that people aren't executing, but when the other team is completing 80% of their passes in one game – and 76% on the year, and you can't tackle worth a lick. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's execution, but some of it has to be systemic. I think these guys have maybe caught on to what Graham calls. And, you know, they, and, you know like some people have said in the past, until you can stop it, they're going to keep doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's almost a systemic problem as opposed to just an execution problem. Sure. And the other thing I'll say is um, – well, I had a really good thing I was going to say, and I just dropped it. Uh, oh, <laughs> the defense I know what it was. Uh, Scott brought up Vince Lombardi, and there's that famous tape of him going, grab, grab, grab. All you're doing is grabbing out there. And that's what I see when I see the Giants play defense. They're not tackling. They're grabbing. And, you know, I was out in Montana. I went to a University of Montana game. These guys have better tackling uh, technique than the Giants have, and they're at a Division Three college or whatever it is. So that's about all I have to say. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Thank You're you, welcome. Mark. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Uh, well, listen, I know that this hour. Yeah, that's it. It goes by quick. It goes it, by it, very it quick. Does. And it does. A lot of good points, as always. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's part of the Giants podcast uh, platforms. You can catch them at all your different podcast uh, avenues, as well as Giants.com slash podcasts and the Giants mobile app. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Paul Dottino. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, everybody.